You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. Uh, Thank you for joining me for the Week 3 Waiver Wire Podcast. Um, I'm going to get right into it. It looks like Devontae Freeman is going to sign with the Giants. Um, so interesting there where you're kind of wondering who the lead back is going to be. Uh, but I'm going to start over in Carolina. So Christian McCaffrey was diagnosed with a high ankle sprain. His prognosis for missed time is four to six weeks. So we're looking at Mike Davis as a potential three down back. Now, uh, if you follow Dr. Edwin Porras, on Twitter, and he cited an article, and it shows that NFL players, um, this is a study actually, it shows that NFL players usually come back from a high ankle sprain within two to three weeks, but they're still hampered for four to six weeks. Now, if this is true, you're likely to have Davis for at least two to three weeks, you know, but don't have the expectations for four to six. I think two to three weeks is still a long time to be able to start um, a waiver wire running back, especially one that is expected to play a three-down role and rack up catches. So if you're running back needy, I think he's the priority pickup as a potential top 15 running back over the next couple weeks. His matchups over the next four weeks, let's say, Chargers, Cardinals, Falcons, Bears, so not bad at all. So if I'm spending fab on Mike Davis, if I lost McCaffrey, if I lost, um, if I lost Saquon, 30 to 50%, depending on how needy you are. Uh, Jarek McKinnon and Jeff Wilson. Uh, Raheem Mostert, week to week with an MCL sprain. Um, Tevin Coleman can also miss multiple weeks with a knee injury. This opens the door for McKinnon to get a majority of snaps in the next set of the 49ers' backfield timeshare, because there's going to be a timeshare. Okay. Um, now, this next set will include McKinnon. Jeff Wilson, potentially that goal line back, most likely. And then undrafted rookie running back Jamichael Hasty, most likely will be promoted from the practice squad. So I think Wilson and Hasty will be the free ads once waivers clear. I think Wilson would be the preferred ad, obviously. Uh, you never know. Like he, You never know. He can potentially even get uh, a bunch of carries in this game with McKinnon's role uh, staying similar. But for me, you know, McKinnon has already been used a ton in the red zone. Uh, while the other two backs were healthy, and uh, he was already the best pass-catching running back on the team. Uh, he might not get 15-plus touches, but I think his touches should be efficient enough to come through as an upside RB2 or flex option. There's also a good chance that he overtakes Coleman on the depth chart when Coleman comes back, because Coleman has just been inefficient compared to Mostert and McKinnon uh, so far, and even dating back to last year, Coleman has been pretty inefficient, uh, You know, aside from like one game against Carolina. Um, but so my fab recommendations for McKinnon, 25%. Uh, recommendation for Jeff Wilson, about 10%. Um, assuming you're in a competitive league, running backs are scarce, you know, you might not be able to get Wilson for free. Okay, Joshua Kelly. If you're looking for the best year-long ad, potentially, it's Kelly. He had 23 carries last week. Uh, 
and three uh, three targets, 26 opportunities. That was with Austin Eckler doing his thing as well. Um, now, does that sound like a running back who should be on waivers? <laughs> 26 opportunities, yet you know he's only rostered on 40 percent of 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 teams. So Kelly isn't going to get that many opportunities. Uh, you know, per week, but 15 plus touches, I think, is pretty much locked in for him as Eckler's compliment. I think the bonus for Kelly is that he seems to be the red zone back for the Chargers. If you look at the the inside the 10 touches so far in two games, Kelly has six, Eckler has one. Inside the five touches, I mentioned this in yesterday's podcast, Kelly had five, Eckler had zero. Now, here's a disclaimer. Justin Jackson, he's been injured since the beginning of week one. In that first week, um, he got injured early with a quad injury, and he was out last week. Now, there's no guarantee that Kelly remains Eckler's complement. Kelly only came into the game in week one after Jackson got hurt. Now, was Kelly already part of the game plan? Who knows? Uh, because it was so early in the game that we, we, we can't know that. But Kelly averaged you know only 2.78 yards per carry in week two, so he hasn't necessarily been efficient with the big workload given to him. Justin Jackson can be a sneaky ad in the middle of the week if he ends up practicing. So I would spend more on Kelly, but only if I knew that he was clearly ahead of Jackson when he returns, and I just don't know that. Now, if Anthony Lynn is willing to keep, you know, Terod Taylor as the starter after what we saw out of Justin Herbert last week, it's very possible that Jackson is back as Eckler's compliment when he's healthy. Right? At the same time, keep in mind, you know, that he has potentially the most upside of these waiver wire options and the best long-term ad. Um, so if I'm spending and I need like a long-term guy, I think my fab recommendation on him would be around 30 to 35% as well. Um, now let's go to the Giants backfield. Now, Lewis, Deion Lewis played every snap once Saquon Barkley left the game. Uh, and that was because Wayne Gallman was inactive. It's very possible that Lewis and Gallman form a committee, but Mike Garofalo is reporting that Devante Freeman is signing most likely. So. Now, I would prefer Freeman to these other two guys because he would likely get work on all three downs. You know, he, he I would guess that he plays around 65% of snaps, right? That's just an educated guess. Um, Freeman didn't look amazing last year, but he did, um, he was a capable receiver, right? And he doesn't have a great line either. So I think he can maintain RB2 numbers in PPR if he gets volume there, um, you know, in the passing game. And I think the plus with Freeman as well is that he's going to be potentially a long-term asset, right? So that's kind of how I'm looking at him. So now if Freeman signs with the Giants, I think and I think I'm going to assume that going into tonight if it's not like 100% confirmed by Adam Schefter. Um, but I think I would spend up to 40% on Freeman. You know, if I lost, uh, you know, uh, Saquon Barkley, for example, you know, it's pretty a hefty price, but you're not going to be able to get him if you spend less than that and he, if he's available. So, um, you know, there's a chance that, you know, Gallman is 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 involved, uh, Deion Lewis involved as well. Um, these these are likely scenarios. Or, I'm sorry, these are potential scenarios, but I think if they're going to go ahead and sign Freeman. Also, Freeman was a guy who wanted to sign somewhere where he's going to get opportunity. Um, so if he was promised that opportunity and he was promised a decent contract, I think that's why he chose to, to sign with the Giants. So it's him, Mike Davis, Joshua Kelly. Those are the big three, uh, this week. 
Uh, Daryl Henderson, uh, he, he he's there as well, like right around there. But you know, so he had a great week. But it's going to be a mixed bag in the Rams' backfield. Cam Akers started the game; he got hurt while in the red zone. Uh, Malcolm Brown had. If you look at that first half of usage, even though Daryl Henderson had the better game, Malcolm Brown was the one who had 61% of snaps compared to Henderson's 29% in the first half. And then Brown hurt his finger, and he was limited in the second half. So I think he had a broken pinky or something like that. But Henderson had three carries and one target in the first half. So And then Henderson in the second half had some pep in his step. You know, I think this will be a split with three guys when everyone's healthy. It's possible that Akers is out in week three. So Henderson is an upside flex play if he's out. Um, is there upside for Henderson to be the 1A in this backfield? Yes. If he continues to show out while Akers is out, yeah, he could potentially, you know, gain a role that's longer, that, that's bigger than we initially thought. All right, Miles Gaskin. Um, I think he should definitely be picked up in PPR leagues. He only had seven carries last week, and so did Matt Breida. Jordan Howard had five, but he also had seven targets and caught six of them for 36 yards. And he caught four or four targets in week one as well. So this is the type of usage in the passing game, as I mentioned in yesterday's podcast, that makes him very fantasy relevant in PPR leagues. And I would rather roster him in 12-team leagues, but in competitive 10-team leagues with a deep bench, he's an add as well. Uh, 65% of snaps, that's pretty legit. Um, Potential year-long asset there. As far as Fab goes, 10 to 15%. I don't think people are going to go crazy going after him. But in a competitive league, you know, short on running backs, I think that's that's about right. Uh, Chase Edmonds, you know, he's available in a lot of leagues. He only had six touches, but he's pretty involved in the Cardinals offense. He had a wide open target in the end zone in week two, overthrown. Um, he already scored him once in week one, so that could have been two weeks in a row with a touchdown. Uh, but he seems, to do- he seems to have a role in the red zone. Drake is still the guy in the red zone, but he does have a role there. Um, he's also one of the best handcuffs in the league, so it doesn't hurt for him to be on your bench. So if I'm going out to get him, my recommendation is spending like a dollar or two on him. Try to get him for free. If he was already on waivers, he'll probably be free. Um, Benny Snell, I know a lot of people are going to be dropping him this week, but James Conner, you know, obviously he was back as the workhorse. There's no doubt that he's one of the most fragile starting running backs on one of the best offenses to be a running back on. Um, I, I think Snell should still be on benches. Um, to be prepared for the moment Connor goes down. I hate to try and predict injury, and I'm not doing that here. And even though I liked Connor coming into this year, he, he got hurt, you know, a few snaps into week one. So I don't want to fight for Snell on waivers if that happens. So he's going to be on my bench. I'm going to try to pick him up once someone drops him, get him for a dollar or two, try to get him for free, whatever the case may be. Uh, Damien Harris, a little bit of a stash here. He was killing it in camp before he got hurt. Um, he should be ready to go once off IR after week three. Um, given how bad Sonny Michelle has looked, the fact that Rex Burkhead played on 71% of snaps on Sunday night, there's a potential job to be filled in that backfield. He's a nice stash, I think, uh, especially given how good the Patriots offense has looked regardless, um, especially with Cam Newton under center. So uh, in competitive leagues, 5% or so because people kind of know that he's coming off IR in just a week. So um, otherwise, I would just try to get him for free. All right, moving on to wide receivers. Robbie Anderson went over 100 yards twice and has averaged 10 targets um, and 7.5 catches in two games. So that's legit. He needs to be 100% rostered. Remember, he's no longer being coached by Adam Gase. He's the true number two to G.J. Moore. Curtis Samuel's targets went all the way down to two in week two. So Anderson, you know, he had a tough matchup against the Chargers um, this week, uh, but he definitely has the better matchup between him and Moore. Um 
Now, this is a pass-heavy offense, so Anderson's going to continue to get volume, you know, and that's not out of the realm possibility for him to hover around eight or nine targets per game. So he's at least a wide receiver three at this point with every week wide receiver two upside. Um, and if, if you really need a wide receiver, I'm willing to go 30 to 50% on him. Now, my recommendation is not never to spend too much on wide receivers, um, but if you're like in desperate need and all of your wide receivers, you know, have got hurt, let's say you had Cortland Sutton and Michael Thomas and you don't know how Thomas is going to be out, how long Thomas is going to be out for, I understand. I think Robbie is a good pickup, um, especially uh, if, you know, you don't necessarily need a running back this week. Uh, Russell Gage might not get nine plus targets every week like he has over the last two weeks, you know, on a team with Julio, Ridley, Hurst, potentially with Todd Gurley getting more targets. Uh, but he's still a wide receiver three flex play for now, especially in PPR leagues. This is an offense that will pass the ball a ton, and Gage has actually averaged eight targets per game since Mohamed Sanu was traded last season. He should have been added last week after catching 9 of 12 for 114 yards, you know, just like Robbie Anderson should have been added. But he's still available um, in 23% of teams on Yahoo. I think he's actually, I think he's rostered in 23% of teams on Yahoo, actually. Um so I would recommend spending 15 to 20% of fab on Russell Gage. Uh, Brandon Cook's available in a bunch of leagues. He had a great game in a very tough matchup last week. Caught 5 of 8 targets for 95 yards against the Ravens. Now that Wolf Fuller has a hamstring injury, he needs to be picked up and started even in a tough matchup against the Steelers. Uh, I would recommend about 20% for Brandon Cooks if he is available. Um, Keelan Cole. He led the Titans in targets in week two. I'm sorry, not the Titans, but the Jaguars in targets in week two, but he only had seven. Still, he's been efficient. Caught five of five with a touchdown in week one and six of seven in a touchdown in week two. The yardage hasn't been there. Average about 53 yards. The Dolphins might be out Baron Jones on Thursday. So, you know, the rest as the rest of the coverage shifts towards DJ Chark, Cole might be left with a great matchup. So he's a flex play this week if you really need a start. I would recommend spending about 5% of fab on him. Uh, Curtis Samuel, he received four carries on top of his two carries last week. He's like a speculative ad, just you know, just in case while McCaffrey's out, he gets some extra work, so he can potentially get six to ten touches next week. So if you're in a deep league, uh, he could potentially um, get some points for you. I would, I would recommend just trying to grab him for free, if anything. Uh, Nikhil Harry, twelve targets from Cam Newton on Sunday night. He caught eight of them for seventy-nine yards. Um, you know, think of his role with Cam Newton as like a better version of Kelvin Benjamin. Uh, there is potential here for him to be a wide receiver three every week. Uh, my fab recommendation is 8%. You might have to increase that a little bit to about, you know, 12% or so uh, if you're in a competitive league. Deshaun Jackson, nine targets in week two, caught six of them after he saw seven targets in week one. Great matchup against Cincinnati at home in week three. So he's a potential streamer for you if you need an upside play. Uh, who is getting enough targets for a decent floor as well. So 10% on him, uh, I think, would be would be a good amount to spend. Uh, Traquan Smith, listen, um, you know, he was second to Alvin Kamara in targets with Michael Thomas out with seven. He caught five for 86. Looked pretty good. Um, if Michael Thomas misses again, it's Smith and not Emmanuel Sanders, who had a terrible game, hurt his team more than the stat line, terrible stat line showed. Um, but... I would spend about 5% only if I have Michael Thomas and I need like a spot start next week. Uh, Preston Williams, Dolphins wide receivers had tough matchups in week one and two. So Williams is being overlooked right now. He caught a two-point conversion last week, which to me is an end zone target. Uh, so he sees Jacksonville on Thursday night and it's possible that he does have a big game. So uh, I would try to get him cheap now, maybe spend about 5% on him. Golden Tate. 
With Saquon Barkley and Sterling Shepard um, out potentially over the next few weeks, uh, Golden Tate should be viable as a PPR flex play until Shepard is back in deeper leagues. I'm trying to get him for free as well. Uh, Alan Lazard, MVS. Another seven targets for MVS, five targets for Lazard. I think MVS is an upside flex play, but I only want to play him while Devontae Adams is healthy and playing. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't play him if like the primary coverage like shifts towards him. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Lazard, you know, he's playing on every snap with Devontae Adams. So I would prefer to play Lazard over MVS if Adams is out. Um, my fab recommendation, I would try to get either for free, preferably, preferably Lazard. Uh, just because I think he'll be on the field more. Uh, Adam Humphreys, with A.J. Brown potentially missing another week, Humphreys is a deep PPR flex play. Uh, I would be able to get him for free, most likely, in most leagues. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, more like a stash, but he saw five carries behind James Robinson. Took those carries for 37 yards. He had four targets through the air as a wide receiver as well. So his usage went up from week one to week two. So, you know, he's a he's a guy who can do a lot of things. He, he remains a stash for me, I would spend about 5% on him if I had the bench room. Uh, Corey Davis, he remains a flex play with upside with A.J. Brown potentially out again this week. He has a great matchup against Minnesota. He's in the low-end wide receiver three range. <clears throat> Excuse me, let me drink some water here. Uh, but 3% uh, recommendation uh, of fab for him. You need, a, you need a spot start really badly, go 5%. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, another stash. He made a season debut last week. He didn't play a huge role. But the 49ers don't have many weapons right now. He had a big training camp. He can splash at any point. I would try to get him for free as well, especially since he didn't do anything last week. Michael Pittman received 10 targets. I'm sorry, 6 targets last week after Paris Campbell went down with an injury. He becomes the de facto number 2 wide receiver, I think, for the Colts. Um, with T.Y. Hilton not playing great, I think Pittman might have to step up into a big role potentially. Um, if I'm going to spend any fab on him, probably on 5%. Um, I'm hoping that I, I buy him on the cheap. Jalen Rager, he's going to get opportunity this season, and he looks good. He caught all four of his targets for 41 yards against the Rams. I think as the Eagles get better, it's only going up from here. I think Rager can get better as well. He had an injury coming into the year. You know, he came back early. Uh, we didn't think he was going to come back early. He looks great in his limited opportunities. I think he could potentially evolve into that number one wide receiver for the Eagles, even when Alshon Jeffrey comes back. So he's, he's free right now. I wouldn't spend any money on him. Uh, KJ Hamler with Court and Sutton out for the year. Hamler is a prospective ad this week. He saw seven targets in a season debut. He will get opportunity going forward. Uh, doesn't have huge upside without Drew Locke, but he's a good player. Him and Jerry Judy will be the primary wide receivers for the Broncos moving forward. Uh, he has a ton of speed. Uh, he played a ton of the, uh, out of the slot in week two. So he, you can get him for free potentially as well in a deep league. All right, moving on to tight end streamers. Mike Gesicki, if he's available in your league, I'm picking him up. He looked great in his breakout game. He caught 8 of 11 targets for 130 yards and a touchdown. I was high on him coming into this year. A lot of you guys know uh, because of that big slot role he plays in the Changeli offense. And we already saw the big game happen in week two. So that was it was pretty quick. Uh, he can be an every week start for you this year with upside uh, for more. So I would recommend spending about 15% of my fab on him. I think this can be uh, something that can happen every single week. Uh, similar thing with Jonu Smith. We want the targets to go up just a bit, but it's not bad. I'm not complaining. He scored three touchdowns in two games. He's an every week tight end one right now. Him and Gasicki are the top two pickups at the position if available. I would potentially spend up to 15% of my fab on him as well. Just because you kind of want stability at the position. You know what I mean? Um, if I thought that these guys were just one-week streamers, I wouldn't do it. Um, like Dalton Schultz, for example. 
Uh, he caught 9 of 10 targets for 88 yards and a touchdown in Week 2. But I'm not convinced that he'll be involved every single week, especially once they start involving Michael Gallup a little bit more. Uh, he's worth rostering if you're in a deep league and the rest of the big names are taken, um, especially if you want to attempt at getting a guy who can start every week because you don't get 10 targets out of nowhere, but it can go away. So there's a lot of you know intrigue here. You know, a lot of us liked you know this Cowboys offense coming into this year. Um, a lot of us liked Blake Jarwin. So we'll see if Schultz is just taking on that role. Jordan Reed, it's possible that Kittle is out again this week. Uh, last week, Jordan Reed stepped in after a great training camp, caught two touchdowns on eight targets. Uh, Eric Ebron, Jimmy Graham, they couldn't do much against the Giants over the last two weeks, but they didn't get a ton of opportunity. Um, I think Reed is a borderline tight end one this week if Kittle misses, and he has obvious upside. So, you know, I'll spend a couple bucks on Jordan Reed if I need a tight end. Um, Mo Ali Cox, I'm going to call him Mo. All right, Mo started for Jack Doyle. He caught five of six targets for 111 yards last week. And with Paris Campbell out, um, in my article, I wrote Paris Hilton. Awesome. Uh, there's opportunity for a second target to emerge uh, there. So, you know, it, you know, it could be one of the wide receivers. Uh, but if Doyle's out again, I think, you know, Moali Cox is a legit streamer against the Jets. They just allowed two touchdowns to Jordan Reed last week. Uh, Logan Thomas. He saw nine targets in week two, saw eight targets in week one. It hasn't quite come together in terms of production, but it'll get there if he keeps getting this type of opportunity. Now, he has a good matchup this week. Against Cleveland last week, Drew Sample, C.G. Ozama combined for 11 catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. And then Mark Andrews in week one caught five for 58 and two touchdowns against the Browns. So, good matchup for him. He has a chance uh, to shine this week with that opportunity. All right, QB streamers, Gardner Minshew against Miami on Thursday. He's going to have to continue to throw the ball. He has some decent weapons, and he has a great matchup on Thursday night. Uh, Miami might also be without Byron Jones, so that's a big upgrade to his wide receivers. Two straight three-touchdown games with his ability to run the ball. He could potentially be a year-long guy for you uh, for fantasy. Uh, And then in week four, another great matchup against Cincinnati. Ryan Tannehill at Minnesota. You know, he's just continuing to do what he did last year. He, he sees a Minnesota defense that has no secondary this week. Now, he, he might not have A.J. Brown again, but Tannehill still got it done last week. I wasn't willing to start him without Tannehill, but he proved me wrong. With the weapons that he does have, he was able to get it done, uh, but seems like he's, he'll be okay. <clears throat> Ryan Fitzpatrick against Jacksonville. All of his weapons finally have good matchups. Um, his wide receivers did not have good matchups in the first couple weeks, so I'm expecting Fitzpatrick to sling it in this game. And I expect him to get it done for you in fantasy. Mitch Trubisky in Atlanta. He's boom bust, no doubt about it. But he has a high ceiling cake matchup this week against Atlanta. If you need if you need a guy, these other guys aren't available. Not a bad streamer. Uh, Joe Burrow in Philly. I think he looks good enough as a rookie. Has enough weapons to get it done against Philadelphia. Um, even with A.J. Green getting shadow coverage from Darius Slay, um, I think he'll be fine. Um, I forgot which Philadelphia beat reporter it was. Can't remember who it is. He's one of the trusted guys um, there in Philly. Uh, but ba- he basically said that a lot of other coaches and GMs basically say that Jim Schwartz's defense, that one of the reasons why it's so easy to attack is because they don't disguise anything. And that's exactly what you want <laughs> when, you're ho- when you want a rookie to do well against a defense. No, no disguising. If Joe Burrow sees it, you know, pre-snap, for example, he'll know what to do. Um, all right, moving on to buy lows. Julio Jones, Allen Robinson, Derrick Henry, Mike Evans. Mike Evans coming off a good week, but, you know, 
Um, you have Chris Godwin coming back, so maybe people think Mike Evans fall down to earth, but I don't think that's going to happen. Robert Woods, Marquise Brown, Naheem Hines, after a terrible week, Antonio Gibson, Brandon Cooks, Joshua Kelly. Um, now, I want before I talk about the sell highs, I want to just say, state that when you sell a player high, it doesn't necessarily mean a player can't be great this year. It just means to take advantage of a strong week or a very strong couple of weeks that is less likely to reoccur. So you likely won't be able to do that later. When you have a window, you want to take advantage of that window, listen to all your offers, and not get too emotionally attached to a great performance. So the sell highs, Kareem Hunt, Julian Edelman, James Conner, Josh Kelly. Now, yes, I did mention him with the sells as well, but he's a sell to those who overvalue him and a buy when you can get him for cheap. I hope that makes sense to you. Uh, Russell Gage is also a sell high, even though I think he'll be fine this year, but he's had some amazing target share. Um, I think he ranks like top three or top four in target share <laughs> or, or targets um, this year. And I don't think that that will necessarily stay there. This might be the peak of his value. Um, that's it. That's all I got. So hopefully this helps you. Uh, hopefully this helps you uh, when you put in your waiver claims tonight. Uh, good luck. Hope you guys get whoever you want um, on waivers. And, and I hope these injuries don't kill you too bad. If you got these injuries, like I said in yesterday's podcast, don't let it kill you. All right. It's only week two. Show your all your all the managers in your league that you're not willing to just fold and, and you're willing to take the punches and still kick their ass. So let's do it. I'll see you guys uh, soon. I'll, I'll be out. Hopefully, I'll be putting out the uh, the week three preview article that I, where I go over all the matchups, all the fantasy relevant players. Definitely will be in article form. I'm hoping I can put that out uh, in podcast form as well. So see you soon, guys. Take it easy.